Grace, mercy, and peace be yours today from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. By grace alone. By grace alone, you have been called by your Lord to labor in his vineyard. This enlightenment in your life has been done by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is beyond your very reason why God chose you. But nevertheless, he has. Grace has worked in your life. Grace now works in your life. And part of the grace of God that was paid for by Christ Jesus, part of that grace is the work that he gives you to do. In our gospel parable, there are five different groups at laborers hired at five different times of day. They are called upon and they are hired. Well, first of all, we do need to understand what a, what a day laborer is. For a day laborer does not even have the security of a slave. A slave has a dedicated master. There is no stable job for a day laborer. There's no social welfare program at the time. There's no program for the unemployed. There's no unions to protect the worker. And there is even no promise of where the next meal will come from. But besides that, the master, this owner of a vineyard, he would have already had slaves. He would have already had dedicated workers. This master of a house, he'd already hired who he needed. And it's not like that this master could not calculate in advance how much help he needed and when, when it came time for harvest. He is, after all, the owner of a vineyard. And so, we also need to further understand what a, what a master of a house is, what the vineyard owner does. The master, you see, did not have any need for day laborers. The master was acting compassionately, graceful even, by calling upon idle workers in the first place. Commercially, business-wise, the master of the house is a fool. Yet, God is that uncalculating. Unimaginable. No farmer in his right mind would do such a thing. But then again, this is not just any farmer. The master's wisdom and grace is well beyond our own. 
So the master went out early in the morning with a purpose. The master went out in order to hire workers. The master did not go to town just out and about to wander around. The master, you see, has a compassionate intent. The master has a graceful purpose in his coming to call you, to send you. The master, full of grace, by his very nature. And then we have five groups of new employees. Five groups of those who are called and sent. Group one is compassionately hired. They did work all day, but they were hired nonetheless. They agreed to a denarius a day, a fair wage. Then we have these three groups in the middle, groups two, group three, and group four. They're also compassionately hired, compassionately called. And their promised pay is whatever is right, whatever is just. Group five, with only an hour of sunlight left, is also compassionately hired. Compassionately. For not only were they merely day laborers, but they were compassionately hired because no one else wanted them. There was no need of even a discussion of pay. They had been called and sent by a compassionate master, and that was enough for them. So they, too, go. It seems that compassionate grace is not limited to only those who seem worth it. Now, even at this point in the parable, there's... There's no problem that emerges. We have groups of people in the marketplace that have no trade, they have no master, they have no job, they have no stability, no security, no unemployment checks coming in. Certainly, no promise of any future, even their next meal. This is their predicament in their job market. And yes, this is our spiritual predicament. We have no choice but to depend on the grace and compassion of the master. It is the master who calls. It is the master who sends. Next in the parable, evening arrives. The sun sets. It's payday. Which group are you in? Where are you standing in line? Now, if you're in that last group, group five, you only worked an hour. But you remember that your master sent you. 
and he must be compassionate, for he hired you when no one else would. And here you are, compassionately, at the front of the line. Now, if you're in one of those middle groups, group two, three, and four, you've worked a partial day, you're in the middle of the line, and you remember that your master promised you whatever is right, whatever is just. And you believe your master, and you're standing in the middle of the payday line. And if you're in group one, who has labored all day, you also remember what your master promised. A denarius, a fair reward, a fair wage. And you believe your master. And you're standing at the end of the line. The steward is then sent. The foreman comes, sent by the master to pay the wages. The foreman now stands at the head of the line and is about to begin payday. At this point in the parable, there is still no problem that emerges. Each of the laborers standing in line remember the promise of the master. Each of the laborers know that the foreman, the master steward, will act accordingly to the grace of the master. The master promised. No problem has emerged. And then, when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. The problem only emerges when people start comparing themselves to one another. My brother got more ice cream than I did. The problem emerges when your heart turns away from the promise. The problem emerges when your heart turns away from grace. And your eyes and your ears turn to the other people in line. It turns out that you cannot focus on the grace and promises of the master and at the same time judge the reward of other laborers. For you, you know that by grace alone, you are promised a great reward in heaven in the forgiveness of all your sins by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No problem. No problem emerges from that. The problem emerges when you compare your reward to someone else's. The problem emerges when you compare your blessings to someone else's. Eyes become evil when the master is good to others.
This is truly the grass looking so much greener on the other side of the fence. He seems to have his life all figured out. And I'm falling on hard times. She is blessed with the perfect family while I struggle. The problem emerges when you think that your labor should be proportionate to your blessings. Why isn't God as generous to me? Yes, God is that uncalculating. It doesn't make worldly sense because his wisdom is well beyond our own. Why isn't God as generous to you? Well, I can tell you why you think that. You see, generosity and grace are a couple of different things. And God's ways of generosity are far, far beyond our understanding. Because God is more than just generous. God is full of grace. You see, on one hand, generosity considers merit. You earned some, and I'm giving you more. But grace, on the other hand, grace by its very nature gives no regard to the person's merit. It gives no regard to the, the labor, the work. The wages awarded to these day laborers had nothing to do with the amount of effort or time put in by them. Grace is the compassion that called you in the first place. Grace is the compassion that hired you. Grace is the promise of reward in heaven. God's grace is whatever is right, whatever is just. Grace is the calling and sending of you into his vineyard. Part of grace is giving you work to do. It's not just your nine-to-five job. It's not just what you do in this place or that. It's not just what you do in school. It is your work as a Christian. It is your work as a spouse, as a parent, as a child, as a family member, as a friend, and as a neighbor. In God's ever-loving grace, he gives you more than just a generous portion. God gives to you great riches. It turns out that grace, by its very nature, does give its regard to the merits of one man, one Lord. Grace gives all of its regard to the labor, the suffering, the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ. Grace comes to you by God giving his only son. Now, I've said it many times before that I am a pastor, and that is only by the grace of God. 
And also, only by the grace of God, you are sitting where you are right now. He has called us all here to receive his gifts. And God has compassionately called us to work and and promises us righteousness and salvation. And now you are a laborer in his vineyard. Labor is good. Labor was given to man by God before even the fall to sin. So, whatever work that you have, it may not look like your neighbor's. It may be more hours. It may be more strenuous. But whatever work that you have has been given to you for God's good and perfect reasons. Today's parable teaches that while you labor in his vineyard, keep your eyes upon his grace. Keep your eyes upon his promise. Focus on the promise. Focus on the grace earned by the merit of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Sola gratia. By grace alone you have been called. And by grace alone you have been saved. And you are given the promise of a future. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.